Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Today on the show, we have an absolute legend, Matt Purcell. He is joining us to talk about personal brand, how you can build one, and the impact it has on your career. Matt's worked with some of Australia's biggest brands and high-profile individuals on personal branding, content marketing, and positioning them as the best in their field. He's the co-founder and creative director of Mentored Media, which is an award-winning creative agency in Sydney. They've worked with the likes of American Express, MJ Bale, Mark Boris, Lane Beachley, and Sony Music. On today's episode, Matt shares his formula for creating a personal brand that helps you to stand out in the job market. Enjoy the show. Hey, Matt, great to have you on the show. Hey, Shelley, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so we are talking about personal brand today and you are seriously the master of personal brand. When I think about who do I go to for personal brand, I think of your name. And it's really funny because I just feel like you've done this over years. Talk to me, Matt, about why are you interested in this whole idea of personal brand? Yeah, thanks, Shelley. Yeah, I've been interested in personal branding before it became a buzzword. And I think it's really important because it really, personal branding really is in one sentence. I can tell you what personal branding is in one sentence. It's it's really the combination of your reputation, your credibility and visibility as a professional. So how are you seen and known and trusted amongst your organization you're part of, your peers, your family and the marketplace? And the brutal question I asked myself when I was doing a lot of ventures like being a musician, I was I, I was a musician, I was a speaker, I've been at so many things as an entrepreneurial creative person. The one thing I noticed was this, why should anyone listen to me over anyone else? Why should anyone choose me over someone who may have the same resume skills as me? Uh, that's why I've been really interested in it. I love those three things, Matt, the reputation, visibility and credibility. In terms of those three things, how often do you see people actually working on those? Because I've never really thought about it in terms of those three areas. What does it take to actually work on and build a brand? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think a lot of people are scared. There's two types of people, right? There's people who unintentionally, I call it invisible PR. And invisible PR is when you're just working out, your character is being broadcasted every day. So how you treat people, how you treat your clients, how you treat your family and friends, you already have a reputation. And if you're single and you listen to this, you have a dating reputation too. Everyone has a brand. Yes. <laughs> so if I Googled your name, if I Googled you on Instagram, if I Googled, what would come up? You know, and I think a lot of people fall into the trap of just posting things or putting th- things of themselves out there because they're just following what everyone else is doing and there's that safety in numbers thing. But when it comes to your career, you really should be intentional about it because don't think that your employer is going to be looking for you and checking up on you all the time, although I would like to think that. 
when times get tough particularly, you really need to be thinking, how do I construct or create a reputation that will get a win-win for me here with a partner in, in the organisation career I want to be and for myself and my goals. So I think what people don't do is they don't reflect back on what they have achieved and they think sometimes they're an imposter by being able to put themselves forward. It's a true Aussie thing, isn't it, Shay? Like, oh, I don't want to put myself out there out of fear of looking arrogant. Yeah. When I think about those three areas of reputation, visibility and credibility – the big one that people seem to struggle with is the visibility piece. Like how do I actually put myself out there? Exactly what you said, the imposter syndrome or feeling like I know a lot of people who listen have a fear of self-promotion. So I don't want to position myself or come across as arrogant. So how would you approach that? What do you actually do to build confidence around becoming more visible? Yeah, I would say I start by saying this, like people have the wrong idea of what it means to be humble in Australia. Um, a person I met recently, one of my all-time heroes, Chris Doe from the future. He came to Australia recently, had dinner with him and he told me about humility. And he, humility is definitely seen as having a low estimate of your importance or self-worth. So that actually isn't a virtue when it comes to your career or business at all. When you think about yourself lowly or as not important, your own estimation, because the people in our lives depend on this thinking. Like, what are you? What kind of results are you going to get if you think lowly of yourself, or you don't have self worth? And you go and try and sell something, or try and talk about something you really, really care about. The results are going to suck, and you're going to sell yourself literally short. So the idea is, don't think more highly than you ought to be, or don't think you're more lower than you are, but just be accurate. Just be honest and accurate. You are better than some. Your work should speak for itself. And um, there is one last thing like in, in research. There's a thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect. So basically it's when people with low ability, like low expertise, like a brand new newbie comes on the board and they get all this new knowledge and they overestimate their ability. So that's where that fear of looking like a wanker, so to speak, or, or arrogant comes in. We, we reference to these people who are overconfident to their level of their expertise but really, it's actually the overperformers that underestimate their ability. So in, in short, I'm saying this. If you feel like you're not ready and you've been doing your job for a while, it's probably a good indicator that you are ready to put yourself forward because people who have been doing their jobs a long time are aware of what they don't know. And the people who just start their career and experience all this new uh, wins and experience and knowledge, they tend to be overconfident. And that's where I feel people fall short and they get confused. I love that so much about the Dunning-Kruger effect. It's such an interesting dynamic, Matt, because I think we get humility and confidence and arrogance all mixed up. So we think that when someone's confident, they must not be humble. But I think humility and confidence go hand mm -hmm. in hand. Like it's that idea of, I think, is it C.S. Lewis? I can't remember exactly who says it of um, humility is not, thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less, less. often. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. C.S. Lewis, bang on. And yeah. it's that idea of I can be confident and humble. It's not, a po they're not opposing ideas. So I can put myself out there and be visible on social media, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, wherever that is, and show up and create a brand without being arrogant or egotistical. Here's another way of putting it. Don't make yourself the hero. Don't make yourself Ooh. the star. 
And the best example of people who make themselves the hero of their story is real estate agents. So they go, hey, want to buy a watch? Want to buy a knife? Here's my Mercedes Benz. Come through. Or I don't give a crap about your car or about your, your watch and all that, man. I want to know about the house. So we, we reference these types of people. But when you make yourself the trusted advisor or the guide, that's the key. Because then you're just offering value. You're saying, this is what helped me. This is what I did. This is what I've seen. So I'm not on LinkedIn and Instagram going, going, hey, this is what I know. This is how much money I have because that's making myself the star. Don't make yourself the hero. That is so good. And I think that kind of is like this foundational thing for personal brand because I think one of the reservations, and for me personally, Matt, like just let's be honest on the on this show, I've always struggled with personal brand. Like it's always irked me. And if any of our listeners have been here for a long time, they know this because back in the early days of this podcast, I was always like, oh, personal brand, I'm so awkward and weird about it. But I've, I think I've come a long way in this, uh, in my journey with it. But I think what you're saying is the key. If you're positioned as the coach or the guide rather than the hero it, and you're there to serve, like if, you're, if your personal brand is set up as a service to someone rather than a, hey, look at me, I'm bloody awesome, mm. then I think that's where our awkwardness comes from around this idea of brand and, and self-promotion and all of those things. Yeah, totally. I 100% agree. And another thing to add to that, if you look at Elon, Elon Musk in terms of influence, in followership on social media, he has more followers than Tesla. And if you look at Tim Cook from Apple, he has more followers than Apple. And that says a lot because people fall in love with people, not companies. And I feel like businesses this year are going to look at two things. They're going to be looking at their costs and obviously their people. And in order to get more sales through the door and have have, have more marketing that works – one of the keys is having real human beings as part of their organization that can carry those values so people people can associate with that rather than a, an arbitrary and abstract company. So I think there's huge opportunity for people if they can tap into bearing witness to what they do in their life every day, tapping into their values, tapping into a process which I take a lot of my clients through, they can be a huge asset to the business they're part of and have and, and, and reap a lot of rewards. I'm really keen to hear about your process and we're going to get to that uh, after the break around how, what's the actual process you can follow to build your brand. You've worked with some huge brands in your business. You've worked with some of Australia's biggest brands and you've helped so many people build their own personal brand. What is the actual impact of having a, a solid personal brand on your career? It's one word. It's, well, it's two words. There's two things to it. There's influence and choice. So the people I've worked with, say Mark Boris, Lane Beachley, they're two examples. They don't just do it as an ego piece to be able to remain, you know, just so that they feel good about themselves. They know the power of earning the right to have a good opinion about a subject matter. Whenever you're asking somebody for advice like, oh, who should I use as a mortgage broker? Three people will come to mind or you'll just Google someone in like mortgage broker Newcastle. And then you have to run through those three things I said before, you know, the reputation, the credibility, and visibility with that. So these guys are like, when you build a personal brand up, you do two things. You, you create a separate 
thing from the job you from your role. So you've got your role and you've got a business you're part of. You've got a role, you've got a product, you've got a role, you've got a tribe. And when you build your relationship up with followers, then you act as a bridge to all these different interests that you have. So Boris now can use his brand to be able to impact Yellow Brick Road or several other businesses he's part of just as himself. And that's, that's the power of a personal brand. You can be one to many things rather than just be stuck as one. You have choice and you have influence if you niche hard in your industry. So Boris started as, or Lane Beachley is a seven-time world champion surfer, one of the best surfers in history. But she that could actually limit her if she just stayed with surfing, especially now she's retired. So personal branding in wellness, in self-love and self-care and leveraging off her career gives her access to work with many brands that are associated with that niche. So that's the power of personal branding. Uh, so good. I'm really keen to dig into for our listeners who maybe don't have that level of profile. So obviously like examples of Mark Boris and Lane Beachley where they've got this this profile already. For someone starting out, so they're in the early stages of their career, I want to understand from your perspective, what is it that they can do to start on this personal brand journey early. So how can they start building it when they're in the early stages of their career? Well, firstly, there's a few levels of personal branding. And I think the first level you are is you're a in-house expert. So you're only known and respected, really visible within the four walls of your organisation. And worse, you may just be a name on a payroll. Not many people know that you are actually as good as you are. So that's first level is your is the in-house expert. And the second level is you're the local hero. So you're starting to go outside of the four walls. Maybe you're speaking at a business, local business group, or you're part of some EDMs, you know, some marketing collateral that's going out further from your your uh, peers. So you're starting to build a little bit of a local, localized reputation, which is good because you may attract higher quality clients or clients might request you. That's a really big deal. And you build up from there. So you got your in-house expert, your local hero, then you're like a regional leader. So within the region of what you're speaking at, you're now one of the big names in that. So you're the mortgage broker of Newcastle or Sydney or that suburb. And then you're nationally recognized and then you're superstardom, right? That's your five levels. So I would recommend someone looking at where would you like to aim for and reverse engineer backwards from that. So that's very different approaches to each level. And I would start with by saying this, the first exercise you need to do by starting your personal brand is just write a timeline out, draw a big timeline out and list from the time you started at your career to where you are right now, list all the major events that you're happy to be proud of. So what major projects you were part of? What major problems did you solve? What um, big wins did you have? What awards did you win? Or, or not even awards, it's just people that you met. And start making this timeline of achievements and then dig in deeper to what lessons you learned in those achievements, what feelings you felt, you know, how old you were. So you're starting to build a little bit of a of your own history. You've got to become a very good historian of what you've done. There's an old Ten Commandment in the Bible that says that you shall not bear false witness to your neighbour. And when I've taken great stock in that as a reminder that you don't have to speak to anyone else's facts but your own. So the confidence comes from what you've done. I mean, there's really two questions people ask you as a professional. What did you do and what have you built? And that exercise gets you started and remind yourself, this is what I built. And that's why people say a lot on socials, count your small wins. Start making a document of that. 
And then from there, you build up from there to be able to go, well, who am I talking to? What's my audience? Who, who do I want to attract? Well, who are my customers? Who's my peers? And start to niche a little more. So I've got heaps of formulas, Shell, that we could go through, but I'll, I'll let you guide me with that. I'm really keen because we love getting super practical, Matt, on this. And I really want to get into, okay, what's the formulas? How do we figure it out? And how do we make sure that everyone listening goes away with like dot points of all the things they're going to do after this episode? Because I, I think we're getting super actionable. Yes. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to dig into those formulas. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money, and our Spotify exclusive show, My Millennial Daily. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right. Let's get into the formulas. We've, you've started to show us a bit of the process. So we know these five levels and let's say we've started to mark out, okay, well, I know the level that I'm aiming for. What do we do from here to start building our brand? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think it's made up of three things, your personal brand. So you're going to look at three pillars. What's your niche? What's your skill? What's your experience? And what's your story? They're really the three things here. So your skills slash your niche, you could say that you're a HR person, <laughs> Shelly, right? Yeah, use mine because this oh, is going to help me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but that's not a niche, right? That's just the, the industry you're in, you're HR. How many other HR qualified people are there in Australia? There'd be thousands, right? So you don't want to just stay there. So you want to also look at what experience have you got? So what have you built and or what Types of people, if you can narrow it down to one or two or three types of industries, sub-industries within your HR, what is it? And personality, what's your story? Your story is like, some people think their story is useless. It's boring, it's vanilla, it's got nothing of value. But really your personality is made up of what do you like, what do you dislike, your tone of voice, how you explain things, how you simplify things. And believe it or not, everyone I've met and worked with from CEOs to experts, local experts, they all have their own formulas. <laughs> they all have their own frameworks. They just need to have teased out. So let's start. I'll start with this formula. The for and who. You're the HR expert for professionals who, who want to advance further in their career, right? Or you're the HR person for businesses who need to deal with conflict with employees over 100. Oh, my gosh. Yes. 
See the difference? It's so different. The, for, and who. Can you share yours? Yeah. I'm, so Mentored Media, the business I run, we're the, we're the creative agency for entrepreneurs who want to build a successful personal brand. Wow. It's clear. It's clear. So you're the cafe for business owners who want to bring their clients to a classy place to have coffee or meeting place. So you think, oh, that cafe is for business owners. That cafe is for mums and dads. That's, that's how we want people thinking about us when you think mortgage broker, uh, HR, how do I advance? Shelly, personal burning, Matt, um, far, like a big cheeseburger, McDonald's, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I love that idea and it's, it's a really practical and different way because often what people do, Matt, is they think of their brand purely in terms of their role. So the role that they're in right now. So you might be uh, an accountant and you think of yourself as I'm Elise, I'm an accountant and I work in the private sector. But I love what you're saying of the, for, and who, if we can answer those questions, I'm the accountant for small businesses who automates their business process. Yeah. Which, I mean, hello, every small business wants that, right? Like finding that niche and then figuring out the value you deliver, again, going back to what you said before of you're not the hero, Mm -hmm. you're the guide. Like you're Mm -hmm. guiding someone and you're bringing huge value in terms of once we've answered those questions, so we've done our process of I'm the HR consultant for small businesses who delivers X value, what do we do next? Okay, that's a very good question. So you need to build personal branding to build a successful one. You need to treat it as the same process as building a house. So you can go straight away and start filming yourself, which is the visible parts of the house, start building walls, start making bricks and build a roof. But it's going to come crumbling down because if you haven't figured out the invisible parts that we just spoke about, what's your niche, what's your experience, what's your personality, then you're going to confuse people. And when you confuse, you lose, right? So what you want to do is once you build like a strong little document around, this is who I think I'm aiming at. This is my niche. Here's a list of my experiences this is who I'm for and this is my story a bit. Then you can work backwards from the problem you're solving and write a, write a list of all the problems that your small business, like let's, let's choose your example. I'm an accountant that helps small businesses to automate, blah, blah, blah. So you want to list out all the problems small businesses have with not automating. What does hell look like? So I believe that pain is the pitch, right? Oh, this is so good. I'm just like... If anyone can hear the rustling noise in the background, it's me like <laughs> furiously note-taking. Pain is the pitch. Okay, I've just got to write that down. Because we hear as a cliche with a lot of speakers, like you got to solve, what problem are you solving? Then get practical with it. What are the problems that your niche solves? If it's automating small business problems, what are the things that small businesses are doing that they're doing manually that is awful? Right, they're they're not keeping record of their transactions. They're not keep. They're not automating their emails. They're not automating. They they could be automating a lot more with their rostering. So there's all these problems here of pain, 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 pain. Now in one column, write all this pain down. How many hours does that take? uh, Get really specific. And on the other other column, have how to how to reframes a problem into a solution. So if I say the problem for a small business is they, they're losing too much money, they don't know where it's from. The how to, how to figure out where the money is going so you have profit in the end of the year. 
So you put a how to in front of the problem, you see? Or if I was a personal trainer and the, the customer thought, oh, it's too expensive. So that's a problem. It's too expensive to exercise. The how to reframework is how to lose 10 kilos on a budget or how to lose 10 kilos under $100. So yeah. list the problems, try the exercise of the how to, and that gets a whole bunch of ideation going on. The second part of ideation is what are the most frequently asked questions of your role or in your industry? People don't know what a business analyst does, then that's one of your first pieces of content you've got to create. It's one of the first things you've got to boil it down. I think it was Albert Einstein that said, if you can't explain it to a six-year-old, you don't understand it enough. You've yeah. really got to boil it down. This is what, uh, one of the funny frames I, I use is like, one of the, the cool things I learned from hearing James Cameron, he's a, he produced Aliens, he produced Avatar, like he's he's crazy producer, director. When he was pitching the movie Aliens, someone asked him, what's Aliens about? And he said, it's like Jaws, but in space, right? So there's a familiar, unfamiliar formula. So when you're explaining to somebody what you do, try and find something familiar. So I'm a business analyst, okay? So I was like, we're like a librarian, but for business data. Oh, I love it. See the difference there? Yeah. Huge. It's giving someone something they can grab onto. It's making something that's complex really simple for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that really good personal brands and business brands do. They make complex things simple. Mm-hmm. They make things that I, I think often we find difficult to understand really, really powerful and compelling. I love this idea. There's so much here in what you've said and heaps of tools we can take away. So it's like something that we all understand, but this. Mm. I think we've got some formulas coming up here, Matt. The other thing I want to understand from your perspective is how do we make ourselves stand out in an industry or in a niche? So often what happens, you mentioned the business analyst. Let's go with that example. There might be 30,000 business analysts across Australia. How do you make yourself stand out from everyone else? How do you create a brand that stands out? Yeah. So as a business analyst, you will have to, if I was a business analyst, I would take someone through the problem exercise and see what is the list three or four major problems you solve. And when you look at a business analyst, and I've, I've actually talked to one recently, they are truly misunderstood and their skills are, their skills are a mixture of project manager, accounting, and business thinking. And when you pull a business analyst apart to those three things, there's three major skill sets that you can add to the marketplace. So if I was to build a brand that stands out, I would think straight away of three ways, like of of headlines to create on LinkedIn or articles I could do, or I would actually start in-house and say, listen, I would, well, who does the email marketing here? Who does the social media marketing here? Who, what kind of client marketing touch points do we have? Okay, and before you even ask that, list out a couple of transferable skills from those three skills, transferable things that will benefit the customer or the staff as a cultural piece. And so here are three ways that a business analyst way of thinking will decrease your anxiety about X. Right? So you can come forward, put forward some content to, for the in-house marketing team to be able to put yourself up. So you're the contributor to that content. And also on your own personal channels, 
craft some some blogs, some articles. Shelley, you've been doing some amazing ones recently. You get some great engagement on LinkedIn, and that's all speaking to what I'm talking to. Mm. It's a it's so a mixture of in-house contribution, and you're getting better and better and better, and externally from your own thing. And the reason why that works is because it's much better in the long run having people. You coming from a third party versus you talking about yourself all the time or from your own channels. And I think that's a good combo. That's why PR still works really well because it's powerful when a third person is talking about how good you are versus you. Totally. Oh, there's so much in it. And I I think it goes back to if I think and I put myself in the position of anyone who's just starting out on this personal brand journey, you have to, I guess, get comfortable with the discomfort of putting yourself out there. Like you just have to get comfortable with that. And for me, writing on LinkedIn, like I've gotten much more disciplined with that. And the more disciplined I've got with posting on LinkedIn, the more traction I get, the more engagement, more followers and and all that stuff. But it actually starts with the discipline and the discomfort of of becoming more visible. Is there stuff that – because you've got a huge following on Instagram, you've got over 100,000 followers and you've you've built this huge personal brand for yourself – how have you gotten over the discomfort of putting yourself out there? How have you navigated that, Matt? Well, everything I've spoken about today, if anything, has helped me more than anyone else. I think the biggest mistake I made with building a personal brand was trying to do too much, be all things to all people at the start. So I'll give you an example. Uh, you Let me ask you a question, Shelley. You you actually know of me. We, we, we go a long way back, actually. In totally. And uh, what would you have known Matt Purcell as before now? Like back in the now? day? Yeah. Uh, back in the day, I would have known you for your music as a guitarist. Yeah, And that's a very, it. very good guitarist. <laughs> that's exactly right. So for many years, I had put out being on the music scene and just posting where I'm playing and talking about songwriting and, and that was safe in people's minds. People think of me and think of a guitar and then – as I started evolving, and this is part of everyone's journey, like, do does everyone? Ha- am I meant to have it figured out by now? Like, am I meant to stick to one thing forever? Well, it's different for everyone. For for me, I had this desire to really, really help people on different levels with my creative ability. And music was a trade I learned, but it quickly turned into, well, I don't want to be a technician necessarily. I want to be in a position where I can share a message rather than through music. So marketing was one of those things. I started helping people through that. But on my p- profile, it like I was at one point speaking to kids, um, doing music, um, m- being a celebrant on the weekend. Um, what else was I doing? Wearing clothes for some label. It was like, who <laughs> is Matt? At some different touch points, Matt, Matt might have been known as a person just with the clothes or with the, the celebrant. So I learned the hard way that my audience was super confused. And it wasn't until about five years ago, I started really niching toward what I'm doing now. And it's taken time. And I thought that I was, my initial thought was, I'm going to miss out. I'm, if I niche, I'm going to miss out on so much. But the reality is, like I said before, if you confuse people, you lose people. And I and people were asking me for different, they thought it was different things. And that's the worst place to be in. So for me to overcome that imposter syndrome or get that confidence, I had to be really clear on what I wanted and what I would lose. I think that's the formula of motivation is it's not just being set out on a task to get something. 
it's to be able to be aware that there's hell if I remain here, right? And for me, I know that I wouldn't reach my potential if I just kept dabbling. Mm. So there's got to be something on the line in my view and there's got to be something that's really aspirational to go for. And that's my formula that have got me out of my head. I just need to stick to the process here. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. I'm just thinking this through and like processing as you're talking. I'm thinking about that idea of, of finding your niche. And I know uh, for a lot of people listening there, let's say they're in a career like accounting, you can niche down. You could do forensic accounting. You could do generalist accounting. You could do small business accounting. And for you, your story of being the celebrant, being running your own music studio, being a t- uh, songwriting and all these different things that you did and then starting to dabble in marketing, how did you figure out actually this is my niche, this is, this is I'm marketing is my sweet spot? Was it like this thing that you figured out where you're like uh, this is my zone of genius or this is where I'm going to have the most impact? Mm. Yeah, it's, it was very, it's a mixture of my it's self-awareness and career potential. So, okay, let's be honest here. Like as a celebrant, out of all the things I was doing, I'm like, okay, which one really has potential to, you know, like to look after Maslow hierarchy of needs first, like shelter, water, what's going to get me, what's going to satisfy me, what's going to put food in my, my family's mouths. And I looked at it really quite logically. And I was like, yeah, I'd have to do, out of those four things I mentioned, I'd have to keep three going or two of them going at once to be able to sustain an income that I like. So there was, a, there was a bit of security in that. Like, is this a career? This isn't the real type of thing I really want. This is going to sustain me until I'm 50 or 60. I don't want to be the guitar teacher or this wedding singer until I'm 80, Mr. Miyagi holding a guitar, <laughs> right? Um, for those who don't, hearing my voice, I'm Korean, man, but I've got Asian hardware, Australian software. And so I thought, okay, with marketing, I had to taste and see first, Shelly. Like I, I, real, I didn't realize when I was doing it, but I was marketing my whole life. I was personal branding through all those things which really attracted the work that I got, which was a lot of it. But because I got 24 hours in the day, I had to really decide which one is going to take off. So for me, I realized that I was marketing my whole life to I really enjoyed helping people. So I had all the energy in the world. When, you have, when you're passionate about something, you have all the energy in the world for it. You do it for free. And I was doing it for free for a while until I'm like, you know what, I'm pretty good at this. I started bearing witness to my results for what I was getting for myself, being a human guinea pig with my my formulas and then trying it out on other people and then realising uh, and that there's research done by much smarter people than me. And and that's how I discovered that marketing was, I decided marketing is going to go where I am, where, where I want to go. I'm going to go where marketing is because it uses majority of my skills and experience and know-how in an area that I'm really quite passionate about, which is making people stand out. Because I, I believe people, there's really good experts out there that are invisible. And I really do believe that there's people that have a great story, that have a lot to offer to the marketplace that will be the world's best kept secret if they don't stick to a process, if they don't get over this imposter syndrome. Because they can add so much, they can educate and, and be shortcuts to struggles for so many people. And that's what drives me to help people with personal branding is I know the benefit of the world if certain people actually share their message. And that's what drives me now. I love hearing your mission there of making those 
experts who are invisible right now visible and stand out. For someone listening, Matt, right now that's thinking, I feel like I have something to offer but I'm, I'm invisible. I feel like I'm invisible. What would be the best next step? If they could do one next thing, what would that be? Mm-hmm. Articulate that on paper or on video as your own feedback and show somebody that you completely trust for your life, if that makes sense. That's a really practical first step. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I don't believe that you can become visible by keeping the things that are in your head invisible, that's for sure. So I think articulate what you're burning with in your bones, what message, what problems. It could, And really like use some, don't reinvent the wheel, use some... Um, like I've got a swipe, I've got some resources coming out soon, but some of these are like just headlines. Start with some hooks. Like there's pain headlines, there's gain headlines, there's social proof headlines, meaning look at the articles on how they're formatted. Three, three things that people believe are right but they're wrong. Fill in the gap type of formulas. So you can put some of those burning desiring messages into a formula that will help, help you. So say if you've got a desire as an accountant to help small businesses understand the numbers, it's like three, the three biggest mistakes business owners make with their, this sounds so boring actually, with profit and loss. But like the three biggest mistakes people, the three, the three biggest mistakes small businesses are making that are costing them a fortune, right? And that gives you a little, that, that headline gives you an opportunity to just dump like that, that frustration and that passion. I follow the, I follow where I'm angry, like where I'm hurt, where I'm, where I'm frustrated about certain things in my industry as this is my responsibility. This is a little hint that this is my, this might be a clue to actually focus on this problem and bring some light to it. And the chances are there may be other people when you share it with that one person and then and venture out, maybe put a, a that thought when it's articulated on LinkedIn or something like that, that there could be other people that that connects with. So I think it's very practical in-house and venture out from two or three more witnesses outward. Yeah, and we're going to put some links in the show notes to your to how to find out more about you and to your resources because I know you've got a whole stack of stuff in this personal brand space, Matt. I think going back a step, even just thinking about niche, and I know for me personally I've struggled with this a bit of like you dabble in all these different things. What do you actually – want to focus on but when we start to niche down and and let's say like early in your career it is good to generalize and to get a sense of what you like to do but as you progress in your career when you start to specialize and niche down into a focus area you actually gain a lot of career momentum you become an expert you become known for something you become the go-to person for for you it's for you it's marketing and personal brand i love the thing that you said in your own journey of you realised you'd been marketing your whole life. And for me, if I think about that, like, okay, what is it that you're doing in your career right now that you feel like I've, I can do this in my sleep, I'm so good at it, I'm energised by it, it brings me life, I'm in my zone and, in the flo- and I'm in a state of flow when I'm doing X. So ask yourself that. If you're struggling to niche down, think about, I'm in my flow state when I'm doing X. I'm, I'm in the zone. I'm in my genius space. And that's where I reckon we start to figure out our niche. 
we start to figure out what it is that we do really well and unique to us. So I want each of our listeners to take away, there's so much in this episode that we can take away in action, like it's super practical. I'm keen to know anything else that you think, Matt, like what are some of the mistakes or the pitfalls when it comes to personal brand? Mm. Yeah, just to that point too, Shelley, before we get into that, like one thing I have done and I recommend my clients do in that timeline exercise of writing out some of the wins and some of the lessons you've learned, also practically pick up the phone and call your mum, call your dad, call your best mates, call your colleagues and ask them a series of questions. What really pisses me off? Ooh. Yeah, what really, when I'm, what fires me up? What do I seem to, when do I rant the most and what is it usually about? Yes. I've literally called people up to ask them these types of questions and and I've re- retrieved stories that I use for keynotes. I've retrieved, I've, you know, I mean, there's so much in people's experience of you. So if, you, if you're oh. in your head, do that. Okay. Can I just ask you another question? We're going to get to the other question, but yeah, yeah. on this, what is it? Because I love that. I'm just imagining like calling up and being like, <laughs> what is it that really pisses me off? Because what is it around, Matt, mm. the things that we're angry about that indicate what we're interested in? Like what's that? What's the link between those things? Mm, I think it reveals the individuality of us that we all have likes and dislikes. We all have a higher order of importance in our lives. So St. Augustine said this. He said, sin is having your love out of order. And I thought that's a really interesting thing because there's nothing wrong with money, but when, when whatever's number one, everything has to render its need to. So if, um, if someone pisses me off about something, it's obviously because I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair I don't think it's in this right place. I think it's the wrong definition. It's it's challenging. It's rubbing up against a definition or my experience or my view of how things ought to be. And that reveals our individuality. So what I said before in this interview was about like it, your personal brand is made up of your skills, your experience and your personality. That's a big part of that. So what? So if someone was to buy you a birthday gift, someone would I'd have to ring up Sam or someone and go, what is she like? And email, oh, she doesn't like this and she doesn't want to do, do seafood for dinner. So it's, it reveals our preferences, which we're awful yeah. at. We can't see our own face without a reflection, right? So we need yeah. feedback. We need these sorts of things and people in our lives. I feel like it's often easier to articulate the things that we don't like than we do like. It's like we're, we find it easier sometimes to articulate the things that really grind our gears and frustrate the living daylight out of us. And so I think understanding those, I love that. And that indicates, you know, what some of those deep passions are that we hold or what the things that we're really interested in. Like now for me, I'm on this journey of like processing. And honestly, I've got scribbles everywhere all over my page. I'm just thinking about the reflection I need to do after this of really answering some of those questions and getting the feedback in. So what is it that I get really fired up about? There's so much gold here, Matt. Seriously, I'm I'm really pumped. And I know that everyone's going to need to listen to this episode again. Let's get into now those mistakes. What are the mistakes? What are the hazards or the pitfalls of personal brand? One of the biggest mistakes people make with a personal brand is they they talk about things they don't not qualify to. Meaning, you got the 18-year-old marriage advice counselor. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Right, it's just shut up. 
Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I could like you and I could say exactly what Steve Jobs said about doing business, but we forgot to do one thing. We didn't build Apple. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so I think there's a big part of earning the right to have an opinion about something is a big thing I've been focusing on right now. And that's why, the, and that puts a lot of onus back on us to progress, right? And to become great historians of what we've done already. And you don't have to, sp- if you're saying, oh, Matt, I don't haven't achieved much. One, I reckon you'd be wrong because you don't, we think of accolades, but you got to think in your industry, you're an expert. So you, your job is solving problems. So you've got to be really good at being able to articulate a common reoccurring repeatable problem you see every day for either yourself as an employee, like as me as experience, for me as a professional, one of the things that I feel like our industry lacks is X, right? So that's one thing as an employee. Oh, as a customer, what you're looking at customers, it's speaking to what you might, you might have a Sharon or Karen or Lauren or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> and we're like, what I've learned from three years of working as an accountant so like there's all education, a lot of it's education, some of it's, you know, like your journey. But I think that's one of the big mistakes people make is they speak to things that they feel pressured to be able to speak to a level which they honestly aren't comfortable sharing on stage about. If they're, a question, they're one question away from being revealed as a phony. So stick to what you know, but know to understand what you know right now is valuable. Like you can turn that into valuable content and to a valuable lesson. Yeah, and it kind of reminds me of the curse of knowledge, like Mm. that idea of when we've been doing something for a long time, like let's say you have been that business analyst uh, for five years, you're so familiar with the work that you do that you you think and assume that everyone knows what you do and you kind of downplay it. But really, because you're so knowledgeable about about a field, you've become familiar with it and you don't realise how much value you have to offer. Mm. That's speaking back to the um, the draining effect we talked about. Yeah. It's totally it. People are, you're aware of how much you don't know. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, no, I'm going to shy away from talking about it. Yeah. It's, it's massive and it's such a big conversation. I am so, honestly, I'm so stoked to be able to share this with people, Matt, because there's so much gold in what you're bringing, what you're putting out there. And actually all the stuff in your social media, every time you post something, I'm like, save that, save that, save that. I've got to come back for later because I need to make sure I've got time to to put all that stuff into practice, which is why I really wanted to get you on the show. For our listeners who want to find out more about this whole space of personal branding and really want to connect with you, where can they find your work? Yeah, uh, just on Insta, like on all the platforms, just Matt Purcell the P-U-R-C-E-L-L and mentored media. And I think lastly, like the question, I actually did a TikTok exercise recently where I went, went, went around to a couple of businesses and said to two pubs in one of them, why should I go to your pub over the one across the road? And that was interesting exercise. And I went in Newcastle actually to Derby Street and went to three cafes, which are literally next to each other and asked the same question. I'm going to give a hundred bucks away to someone who can tell me why should I eat here over the one next door. And I'd like people as an exercise to fire them up and be frustrated. I want to trigger you. Like, why should anyone listen to you? And why should anyone choose you over someone else who has the same resume skills as you? Because I'm telling you that when, like I said, when businesses are looking at costs and they're looking at opportunities and they're looking, 
you really don't want to be that person where someone goes, oh, I don't know what Shelly does. I mean, do we need her? Right? But so when you can build up that credibility, that visibility and that know-how, then you, if, even if you're not appreciated at your current organisation, if you put yourself out there, I bet you bet my bottom dollar that there will be other opportunities that you're fit for, that you put yourself into the ring. You can throw your hat in the ring because you've done your homework and you've, um, you've stuck to this process. That is so good. I think what an awesome place to finish as well in the current, I guess, in the interest of timing, like it's a tricky climate for us to be looking for work in at the moment. We're in this zone of, you know, a bit of economic turmoil, looking at recession, all these things, building your personal brand. There is never a better time than right now to do it. This is a crucial moment. And I love that advice, Matt, that people can go right now, work on it. You don't want to be that person that, oh, I'm not really sure what they do. We want to be the person that's like, I know John for this, 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 and this. We need to keep him. And I love everything that you've said so much. It's huge, huge takeaways. And I can't wait to listen back to this episode. We're going to have all the details in the show notes about Matt, where you can find him. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking this time out to have this chat with us, Matt. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, Shell. Thanks for having us. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money, and our Spotify exclusive show, My Millennial Daily. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.